always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Talk to our dedicated Switch Squad or search Sky Broadband to get started. Hello and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Mary Minahan. In the Irish Times this week, we've been publishing the results of our latest Ipsos opinion poll, a poll that has delivered more bad news for the government parties. The poll also has some interesting findings about public attitudes to the level of state support for Ukrainian refugees and also around the question of how we should legislate for abortion. Today, I'm joined by political editor Pat Leahy for some analysis of the poll's findings. Pat, you're very welcome. Thanks, Mary. Let's start with the state of the parties. After the government won its vote of confidence on Tuesday, these poll numbers will have brought Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Greens back down to earth with a bump, really, won't they? The parties themselves are down a bit, but the number that stands out is overall satisfaction with the government. It's down 12 points from 43% to 31%. That's since just April. So from the government point of view, That's a rather scary trend, isn't it? Yeah. So the comparison, as you say, is with the last poll that we did in April. And as you say, we see declines for all the government parties outside the margin of error for for Fianna Fáil and for Fianna Gael. Fianna Gael down by four points to 18%. That's their lowest in uh, an opinion poll in the Irish Times series since 1994, which... I don't know about you, Mary. I can't remember what was going on in 1994. I was only young then. Anyway, Fianna Fáil down to 20%. They're down by three points. Sinn Féin up by three points to 36%. And that's their highest ever rating in the Irish Times series. So on the one hand, you have Fianna Gael with its lowest ever. On the other hand, Sinn Féin with its, uh, with its highest, twice the level of Fianna Gael support. So that just shows you, you know, the great political changes that are taking place on the landscape. And the other data in the poll showed very clearly, I think, that a cost of living is affecting nearly everybody. 84% of people in one of the follow-up questions say that they are affected personally by the cost of, uh, by the cost of living crisis. And, uh, you know, I think that's what we're seeing. You wouldn't have to be the, the greatest political analyst in the world, Mary, to, to make the connection between the government's woes and the impact on people's daily lives that the cost of living crisis is having. Yeah, I'd say a few eyebrows were raised when 16% said uh, they weren't affected by the cost of living. Good luck to them. Uh, But of course, a majority say the government shouldn't wait until budget time to do something about this, to uh, introduce measures to impact on the cost of living. And of course, the government would say it is doing that and the opponents would have the opposite view. How do you read those kind of figures? Like, There's a couple of ambiguous sort of findings uh, in the poll. There are some contradictory findings uh, in in the poll throughout it. I mean, 56% of people, uh, they were asked if, you know, the cost of living was out of the government's hands. Just 38% of people said it was out of their hands. 56% of, of, of people disagreed with that. 54% of people said the government was responsible. 39% of people said that it wasn't. So by a tight enough margin, I suppose, people are ascribing or many people are ascribing some degree of blame or responsibility for the cost of living crisis. But at the same time, and, and as you 
rightly say there's a majority of people want them to get ahead, get a, you know, to get moving and to, to, to take further measures now that will help address the cost of living crisis in their daily lives rather than waiting for the budget. Now, we know the government has decided to wait uh, until the budget. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that people uh, agree with that. But at the same time, there is evident in the poll uh some nervousness that any action that the government might take might actually make things worse. So 64% of people say that they're concerned that government actions might actually make inflation worse. Uh, you know, 52% of people uh, are, are, are afraid that wage increases could make inflation worse. So, you know, the, I think people recognise the complexity of the challenge that are facing, uh, that the challenges that are, that are facing the government in this regard, but they also have plenty of blame to dish out for it as well. And is there any sense that the government feels destabilised or the coalition feels destabilised by a result like this in the sense that you might see vulnerable backbenchers and all parties kind of acting out a bit? And I suppose the big date now uh, coming up in the Paul Kors calendar is uh, when the revolving Taoiseach thing comes into motion and uh, Leo Varadkar takes over from Micheál Martin. How do you think that move will impact on the fortunes of the government? What will change essentially? Essentially, I suppose a few things spring to mind. You might see a, a maybe more robust approach to the DUP and to the British government on issues like Brexit and so on. What do you see happening there? Oof, right, that's, that's, that's serious crystal ball stuff you're asking me to do uh, there, Mary. I mean, to answer the first part of your question first, I, I, I think that, you know, in a way, the two results uh, that we saw this week, first, the result of the... Um, uh, of the confidence vote and secondly the result of the opinion poll in a bizarre sort of way they uh, I think would bind the government more closely together because I think on the first firstly the result of the confidence motion demonstrates that the government has the capacity to see out this period of political difficulty. It has a large dual majority and so long as the three parties at the centre of government of course they got independent support the other night as well but as long as the three parties can stick together then they will uh, they have the ability to tough at least this part of, uh, of the crisis out. And what the opinion poll shows them I think think is that it is in their political interests to stick together. We talked earlier uh, about, you know, the, the the question being, how would you vote? How would you vote tomorrow? Well, you know, were there to be an election, you know, not going to be tomorrow, but let's say the government, for mm. argument's sake, the government failed in the, uh, uh, failed to command a majority in the doll in the confidence vote, then there'd be an election in the middle of, uh, the middle of August. And that really would be the appalling vista for the government because all three parties would be looking at a serious massacre of the seats that they currently hold. So I think that, uh, you know, as I say, those two results will, um, uh, I, I think they will encourage the government uh, to stick together, even if only because the consequences of falling apart, as pointed to by this poll, would be so politically severe for them. On the second part of your question, then looking ahead to the changeover in the autumn, I, I, I think there's um, 
I think there's two dates that stand out uh, in, in in the autumn. The first of them is the budget. That's coming at the end of September. Um, you know, when the you know, political term is winding down now, Taoiseach is going to Japan and Singapore next week. He'll be back for the final cabinet meeting and then there'll be a break for, uh, there'll be a break for, for August when most political activity or most consequential political activity stops. They'll come back at the end of August and then you're in a pretty intensive period of, of agreeing the budget. It will, I think, as we talked about in the podcast before, be a very big budget uh, on, on budget day. I think with the 6.7 billion that the government announced in the summer economic statement, plus the one-off um, in-year, this year uh, measures that are going to be announced, ministers have made clear on budget day. That'll give you an overall budget day package of something, I think, in excess of 8 billion, which is for a non-COVID budget is, is huge. So I think the government will make a big splash of that. And then the next date is the one that you've pointed to uh, the on the 15th of December when the changeover in the Taoiseach's office uh, takes place. And I think once the budget is out of the way, I think the preparation for that changeover is going to command quite a lot of political bandwidth. And I think that's a danger for the government, actually, because at a time when people will still be extremely concerned with the rising cost of living. And if anything, the cost of living is good. The cost of living challenges are going to get more intense in the autumn and early winter than they are now. And that's before we even begin to talk about the potential for, uh, for fuel shortages, um, both, both here and uh, across Europe, if there's a switch off of, uh, of Russian gas. I think if the government is fixated on its own musical chairs throughout that period, I, I, I think government, I think people would take a very dim view mm. of that. I think it already has a challenge to find a narrative that explains the switch over to, uh, to, to people. I, I think if it just looks like, oh, hey, it's Leo's turn to be Taoiseach now and that's what we're concentrating on, I think there's a real, more than a hint of political danger for the coalition in that. Can we go back to the poll and talk about the level of support the state uh, should give to Ukrainian refugees. Uh, that is something that we asked people, a, a very timely issue, because this, of course, was the week that we learned the state has actually run out of emergency accommodation in which to place people arriving from Ukraine. So what did the poll uncover in that regard? Yeah, so we talked earlier about kind of some kind of quixotic or contradictory findings uh, in in the the responses to the questions. And this is a good example of it, I, I think. Um, you know, we asked if people agreed that Ireland should live up to its international obligations to help uh, refugees and people in danger of, of, of war, uh, from war or, 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 or persecution. 82% of people said that they believed that Ireland should live up to its, uh, uh, to its obligations. But an almost identical proportion, 84%, said there's a limit to the number of refugees we can, uh, that we can, we can take. And, you know, 60% of people said they were concerned that too many 
asylum seekers or refugees might come and asked a straight question about whether there should be a cap on the number of refugees from Ukraine that Ireland uh, accepts or whether Ireland should take uh, uh, all the Ukrainians who can make their way here. 73%, nearly three quarters of voters said that there should be a cap on it. So, you know, I mean, I suppose we have to apply what passes for our political intelligence to to try to resolve this apparent contradiction. And to me, what it says, I mean, listeners can make up their own mind on it, but to me, what that suggests is that people want to uh, want to assist refugees. They don't want to shut the door uh, on refugees. They want to live up to Ireland's obligations to take people who are fleeing war and persecution into this country and help them. But they are concerned at the current capacity of the state to uh, to 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 manage that. And, you know, you would have to say, looking at the news in recent days, and bear in mind that the sampling for this poll was done on Monday or Tuesday before the news from uh, from Dublin Airport. But you'd have to say with that with that news, those concerns that people express are are reasonably well grounded. I suppose the question for the government then is what do we do about this? I don't think there's any question of a bar on refugees and and actually it would be in, in it would be in in conflict with a decision of the European Council to uh, as to how to deal with um uh with with Ukrainian refugees, but I don't see any prospect of uh, of a cap. I don't see um uh, I don't see that happening uh, at all. But what is very clear is that considerable additional capacity in terms of how these people are received, housed, looked after, accommodated and helped, that has to be put in in place pretty quickly because, you know, people will continue to come. That much is that much is very clear. Yeah, I mean, it's very striking in the poll, isn't it, that a clear majority disagree with the government's policy when the government treats refugees from Ukraine differently to other refugees. Yeah, again, Voters favour a limit, don't they, on, a, on the number of Ukrainians admitted, but you don't think anything is going to change in that regard in policy terms? No, no, I don't. I think there's very little chance uh, of that, certainly in the immediate future. Now, if you were, you know, to look six months down the road and uh, and and... and you know, you still say if you had another 40,000 Ukrainian refugees had arrived here, like clearly that would put enormous constraints, um, or that, you know, the, the state would, you know, would face enormous challenges in dealing with that level of, uh, dealing with that, that level of an, of an influx. And, you know, international law and the conventions that Ireland has signed up to and the obligations that Ireland has freely accepted to protect, as have many other countries, to accept people who are fleeing war and, uh, and persecution under international refugee law. Uh, you know, I think they are predicated on numbers arriving that the state can deal with. I mean, clearly, if half a million people arrived here, you know, the state would have great difficulty in uh, in, in in accommodating that, and you've got to assume would would move to uh, would to prevent the situation getting to to that extreme before I can. Now, I don't think there's any real prospect of that, but. Uh, you know, I, I think that people do understand the difficulties, I suspect, mm-hmm. but no more than, you know, the cost of living. They know these things aren't easy to, they know these things aren't, aren't easy to solve. These issues aren't easy to deal with, but they elect governments to do them. 
to do these things and they expect them uh, they expect them to meet those challenges. And were you a bit bamboozled, uh, Pat, with the news that the state had actually run out of accommodation for new Ukrainian refugees and asylum seekers uh, with the news that the City West facility in, in West Dublin was reaching full capacity? Because, you know, these numbers weren't unexpected. In fact, I suppose we've kind of hit these big numbers a little bit later than than we thought we might. Yeah, I, I still don't quite understand, um, you know, the exact logistical nature of of the problem because you know back when war first broke out and refugees began to arrive here from Ukraine uh you know there was government projections which suggested that there could be 100,000 refugees by the summer yeah. there could be 40 40,000 by Easter was one figure that mm. sticks out well you know Easter was back in the middle of middle of April and we're only hitting 40,000 now and yet we're having difficulty in uh, in in dealing with it it seems that the process of putting in place the accommodation needed has been way too slow. Now, look, I'm not qualified to really to comment on, the, you know, the nature of the, uh, of, of the, the barriers that that process has faced, but it, it does, I suppose, ring a bell to anyone who has watched Irish public administration over a long period of time when we find, I mean, how many times have we found ourselves asking, why does it take so bloody long to do these things? And, and, and that, you know, that seems to be, um, at least part of what's happening here. Another, in fairness, another element of what's happening here and what is making uh, this this process a bit more difficult, I think, for those people who are charged in dealing with this, is that there has also been uh, a pretty sharp increase in the number of people arriving from other countries apart from Ukraine who are seeking international protection uh, in this country. And some of that, and I've written about this over recent weeks, there was this growing concern in government at the spike in the number of asylum seekers that was coming, that were, that were arriving in Ireland this, uh, this year. And the explanation, or at least part of the explanation that was given around government circles for that was the British, uh, the British policy to send yeah. its asylum seekers to Rwanda where their applications for protection would be processed. And even though that policy has been put on hold because uh, of action taken in the European Court of Human Rights, um, it, 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 it is still believed in Irish government circles and among senior officials that the signal that that has sent out has in, uh, in practice diverted at least some of the uh, traffic uh, of of people who are seeking international protection for, away from the UK towards Ireland. Uh, finally, our poll also looked at attitudes to abortion. And for context, I suppose this was the week that the HSE released a report that found the needs of women seeking abortions for fatal fetal abnormalities were not being met and pro-choice campaigners and some TDs want existing restrictions to be eased in that regard. Uh, what the Taoiseach has said about it is a review of the current legislation will be complete by the end of the year. But what does the poll actually tell us about the public's view on this? Okay, well, I, I'm, I'll just go through the findings on it and um, so people can 
you know, people can hear those and then, then we can have a, a chat about it. So the, the, the question is introduced by saying that abortion was in the news, uh, in, uh, in, in the US. And then we stated the position in, uh, in Ireland under the law. So we said in, in Ireland, abortion is permitted up to 12 weeks and after 12 weeks in cases of a threat to the life or health of the mother are fatal, fetal abnormalities. Would you like easier access to abortion? More restrictive access? Are you happy with the current level of access? Or do you feel that abortion should not be available in Ireland at all? And the results were as follows. People who want access to abortion made easier, that was 25%. People who want it made more difficult to access abortion, that was 6%. People who are happy with the current level of access to abortion, 48%. People who feel that abortion should not be available in Ireland at all, was 10% and 10% said they didn't know or had no opinion. So by far the biggest, by far the most popular choice of 48%, which understanding that 10% of people express no opinion, that 48% constitutes a majority of people who expressed uh, an opinion, said they were happy with uh, with the current level of access to abortion. I suppose, Pat, the findings come after the US Supreme Court withdrew its uh, the 50-year-old uh, constitutional protection there for the right to the abortion in the US. And as I said, as the government prepares to complete a review into the operation of abortion legislation here, I always think the timing of a poll is very important. When exactly were these questions asked in relation to when that news, that contentious and controversial news was was swirling around coming from the US? The the poll was conducted on Monday and Tuesday of this week. Now, what we didn't know, I suppose, when we uh, when we commissioned uh, the poll was that it would coincide with the publication by the HSE of this story, which was reported in our paper on Monday or Tuesday. I'm not sure which, but but coterminous with the the sampling for the poll. So it is an issue that was swirling around and may have been in 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 the minds of uh, of people when they were responding to the poll. The other thing that was at the back of our minds, I suppose, when we were drawing up these questions is this review of the legislation. So the the legislation that was introduced to legalise abortion in this country after the constitutional ban was taken out by the referendum in 2018, the, the legislation... Uh, required a, a review after three years to examine the working of the uh, of, of the legislation, and it's in that context that the HSE is commissioning its report. That will just be part of one of the uh, uh, one of the exercises that feeds into this broader review, which will uh, ultimately go to. It's been conducted by. Um, by a barrister whose name uh, escapes me now is, cha- is chairing the review and that will be presented to the Minister for Health, uh, Stephen Donnelly, in the autumn, I think, uh, certainly before Christmas. And then the government will have to decide on foot of that review if it wants to change uh, change the law. And it's certainly the case that Stephen Donnelly has said he's unhappy with the level of access to abortion that people are getting on the ground because whatever about the legal access 
to uh, abortion. Um, as surveys have shown that women in uh, different parts of the country are having difficulty accessing uh, abortion because GPs um, near them are, are exercising their right to uh, to not provide abortion services. It's not available in uh, in several of the state's maternity hospitals. So there is an issue about the, whatever about the legal situation, about the practical access to abortion services being experienced by some women uh, around the country. And there is also... Um, you know, quite a vocal campaign on the part of some um, pro-choice campaigners. I think the National Women's Council have talked about this. Certainly a number of pro-choice campaigners um, uh, have also m- made noise about the three-day waiting period um, that, uh, that women uh, under the law have to uh, observe before they are granted legal access to abortion services. And that is something that has been targeted as well. So all these things will be, I guess, part of a political debate that takes place in the... Um, uh, in the in the autumn or next uh, next winter, we should also say, of course, there's a group of pro life TDs who are uh, will be very much and uh, you know, will be very much campaigning against any extension of the um, of the legal availability of abortion, and they have uh, you know they have also been active in uh, in the last six months as the obviously as the uh, the the the, the the three-year anniversary of the uh, of the enactment of the legalization of abortion uh, is is on their minds as well. Yeah, just finally, Pat. Uh, one thing we did in the poll was to really remind uh, respondents that of the current state of the law, and it's that abortion is permitted up to twelve weeks, and after twelve weeks, in the cases of the threat to life or health of the mother or fatal fetal abnormalities. And as you've said, forty-eight uh, percent said they were basically content with the current level of access to abortion and uh, a quarter said they wanted easier access. Six percent wanted access to be made more difficult. So can you say anything about the likelihood of change or perhaps more pertinently, the political appetite? You've talked about Stephen Donnelly and what he thinks. You've talked about the anti-abortion TDs and what they think. Uh, what about at the top of the governing parties? Is is there any kind of a political appetite to go back there? That's, that's difficult to foresee at this stage. My guess is that this is an issue that doesn't come on the political agenda for at least six months, perhaps into the early part of, uh, of, of next year. I think... Um, uh, I think Fianna Fáil, many Fianna Fáil TDs might have some reluctance to, uh, to heat up this, um, this, this political controversy again. On the other hand, it was largely diffused as a political issue for Fianna Fáil the last time by, um, by granting uh, a free vote. And I guess that if there is to be legislation proposed by Stephen Donnelly or whoever is Minister for Health. And uh, if if that part of the process happens, then, you know, you will be well into next year, uh, you know, possibly in 12 months time before uh, before legislation is tabled in the Oireachtas. So uh, if, if and when that does happen, I would imagine that it will also it will be uh, a free vote um, for for government TDs, my guess is that there might be um, is that there might be a dull majority for uh, for some legalize uh, for some liberalisation of the law um, as it stands uh, at the at the moment. But I 
I honestly don't have a feel for whether the government will want to take on that political hot potato uh, at a time when it's certainly going to have uh, other, other things on its plate. Thank you very much, Pat, for your insights. That's all for today. Inside Politics will be back next Wednesday. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. Goodbye and thanks very much for listening. Never suffer the buffer again. Always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Whether you're streaming on the sofa, gaming in the bedroom, or swiping in the bathroom. Get out of here! I said swiping. You'll never be without it. Switch your home to 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Availability subject to location requires Sky Broadband Ultrafast. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. 99.9% reliability based on time our broadband network works across our base.